So hopefully we are recording right now. It's going very fast and freaking me out. So I'm going to go back to the other screen. And um, so we are, we are starting Ruth today, which I'm excited about because I love Ruth. Ruth is an amazing story. And yeah, and it's, it's a pretty short story. So it's only four chapters and we're getting a late start today. So I might just cut it in half and we can do the other half next time. And, uh, but it's also, there's big chunks of it that there's not a whole lot to talk about. You know, it's just, it's a narrative. It's a story. Um, so we might get through, I don't know. So Ruth won, um, in the days when the judge is judged. Okay. So when are we? In the days when the judges judge. Tells you right where we are. Well, and it says, in the days when the judges judged, there was a famine in the land. So, you know, it could indicate the time when, um, when they, well, then, no, no, no. I I was, well, the famine, because that was a siege. So, you know, the the famine when, you know, Jacob and his family ended up in in uh, Egypt. You know oh, the big like giant famine, oh, the giant right. famine. Yeah, I mean, they, and it was it was seven oh, years. It was a long famine. famine. You know, yeah. so so it's um, that would be interesting if all of it was kind of simultaneous. And yeah, and and it was. Um, and it may, and it may have been a later one. I, you know, I forgot to look up when they date Ruth. So, so everybody go home and figure out when they date Ruth, but <laughs> whenever it's dated, there was a famine in the land. Got it. So, so, so there's, be, yeah. yeah, so there's, and, and the thing, the thing about that other than the dating is that, um, I always, I love to know, like there are some people who want to know the dates and the facts of history, and there are other people who want to know the stories and the reasons. And I'm a stories and reasons person, and, and the dates and the facts are important. I mean, they they help, you know, because they they help, especially when you're trying to look at what else happened at that time or what is this parallel to. Um, and it's you know and and it does we were going to talk he was in Bethlehem Judah so it's probably you know maybe a later date but it's the same kind of idea mm-hmm. you know the reason that they went to Egypt there was a famine they couldn't find food where they were mm-hmm. so so there's we're, what the things that are happening you know in this part of the story it's undergirded by the fact that there's a famine they're making choices about what to do um, and and we're going to catch you know catch it at that point so we're kind of jumping in you know, and and yet it was in the days when the judges judged. So there was no king. We're, we're pre-kings. Yeah. You know, because the story is part of how we get to David. Right. So this is this is not. Yeah, this is definitely. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Doesn't this come after judges? No. No, it says in the days when the judges judged. Like the way they have it. Oh, it's yeah, it's organized. Yeah, but it's the even the Jewish Bible and the. The right. traditional Christian Old Testament are ordered differently, yeah, yeah because yeah. they're they're typically ordered um, by kind. That's so, like the thing. wisdom books are all together, the right. history books are all together. Yeah, because um, I was like, wait, I know we're reading. You can buy one Bibles that are. Like, you can buy the archaeological yeah. chronological Bible. Chronological Bible. I actually want to get one. Yeah, I do too. Where it's in order. Yeah. Of yeah. No. That's well, until they learn something new and it's out of order. 
No, because in my mind I was like, well, wait, this comes after Judges, but why wouldn't it just come before? Like, it's it's just because it's written separately. Okay. You know, it's not in. It's not pushed in the context of it. So, in the days when the judges judged, there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to live in the country of Moab. Okay, so we've met the Moabites. Um, if I'm recalling correctly, they come from one of the sons of Lot okay. with his daughters, the Moabites and the Ammonites. I'm just saying, I'm in the middle of some contractions. <laughs> and me. This is not the country out. of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. Now, we don't always know the names of people in stories. But they, yeah. So they have names. They're important. The names of his two sons were Melon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. Ephrathites? Ephrathites. That's a good question. Ah. (laughs) I'm going to look that up. Google it. My phone is stupid. (sighs) You have a stupid phone, not a smart one? It's still, well, now I get emojis, but I still don't get pictures. <laughs> everything, she's like, everything you sent me was a box. I don't know what it, I don't know what you're saying. I will not use emojis. But now I get emojis, and now I can't get pictures. But not words. <laughs> I'm just like, what the heck? So look at it. Look up E-P-H-R-A-T-H-I-T-E-S. Yeah, I want to get on the I just got these in. Yep. Have a party. So... While she's looking that up, they came into the country of Moab and lived there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. Yeah, that's supposedly what her dad was trying to name her, but but he spelled it wrong. Oh, Oprah. Yeah. Oprah, yeah. He was trying to name her Right. So they lived there about 10 years. He should have pulled his Bible out. Melon and Chilion both died, and the woman was bereaved of her two children and of her husband. That sucks. Yeah. You know, it's a type of thing happening, you know, maybe fever. Or well, or it may just have been they went over to Moab and the famine was there too. You yeah, know, maybe there's a little so less, but they, escaping. yeah, the men, the men died and, and so she's left. People that we're not their family. Exactly right. I'm pretty sure the Moabites didn't like them that much. <laughs> I know. Right? There was a certain level of tolerance, but yeah, yeah. did you find anything on uh, that? Ephrathites? Ephra, Ephra, Ephra yeah, that's, it means fruitful. But is it? But it's a, it's a biblical place with a person name, but, um. So what an irony, though. Okay. What an irony. Fruitful, and it was during the famine. Right? Yeah, I know, right? And then fruitful, and all the men died. Uh-huh. Okay, that's the assignment for this week. Learn what you can about them. About the Ephrathites. Yeah, yeah. So, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. And it doesn't tell us how long they were married. I and mean, they may not have even been married very long. Leah, after all that praise. <laughs> he did. <laughs> That's it, Leah. No more praise for you. <laughs> we see what happens. He's like, he's like oh. He goes, oh, I'm setting the bar too high. Let me, let me correct this. Let me adjust. 
I still love you. So then she arose. So, and, but that's the thing. We don't know how long the, the daughters-in-law were married. I mean, they, yes. have, they lived there 10 years, but they might have married them, you know, a year or two. They might be, because when she, you know, she's lost her family. So clearly the daughters-in-law had not become her family at this point. You know what I mean? It's it's. I mean, so it's like still fresh and new. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, they don't tell us when they got married. But it could have been like a new. But it it's it's obviously not because she arose with her daughters-in-law that mm-hmm. she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. She went out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. They went on the way to go to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. So in other words, go marry someone else. Go back to your family, get married, have a life. You know, you were good to my sons. I appreciate you. I'm not going to take you, you, you know, yeah. without, without family into a place where you know no one. Right. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. They said to her, no, but we will return with you to your people. Yeah. Naomi said, go back, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Because remember, they're entitled to marry a sibling, if they don't, if their husbands yeah. don't provide children before their death, she's like, no she's like, I'm not even pregnant. You know, I have no boys for you. You have nothing with me. Well, that would be crazy if she was, because then you'd have to wait. So well, long. I know, but but she's saying because because she says, yeah, she says, for, um, go back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Mm-hmm. If I should say I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, mm-hmm. would you then wait until they were grown? Yeah. Would you then refrain from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me seriously for your sakes, for the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Mm-hmm. So everything she's doing is righteous, except we also see that underneath it, it's there's a hopelessness. Yeah. Like she's lost she everything. Yeah. Right. And you know, when people when people are in depression... That's one of the first things they do is push away everybody around them. Not because they don't love them, but because, you know, I'm no good for anybody. I have nothing to give. You deserve better than me. And, and you know, she's, she's, she's lost all of her actual family, you know. And why would you two young women, why would you st- I have nothing for you. Go have husbands, have lives. Right. 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 You know, yeah. I mean, she's saying I have nothing to offer you, but she's she's right in this case. I mean, I mean, she has nothing that she has nothing that culture says is of value and importance, and that they are due. You know, there there are things that she has to offer, but they are not culturally valued. You know, and right now she doesn't even feel like she has those to offer. She's like, I got nothing. I'm heading back with nothing to a land I left 10 years ago. No husband, no sons. You know, I don't know what I'm going to find when I get there. You don't want to come with me. This is ridiculous. Because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. They lifted up their voices and wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth joined with her. She said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God. 
follow your sister-in-law. That's a good uh, point out, too, though. She said to her people and her God. Right, and that that's the thing. She had, like a good, like, she had left, right. Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you and to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Um, right there, the, the vow of Ruth is what a lot of messia- messianic believers who, are, who do not have you know, Jewish heritage at all, um, this is what a lot of people will say is that, you know, in their hearts, they've taken the vow of Ruth and they've told, you know, they've told God, you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is, these are your people. This is my people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are my God. And, and, and a lot of times they will be ones who emphasize, you know, when they talk about God, you know, I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just to clarify, not some, you know, this group's version of God, not that denomination's definition of God, you know, the traditional, uh, you know, the, the God of the Old Testament. This is where I fall. So she says, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. So she's making a covenant with her. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And again, also Bethlehem with the famine. So the, their, their family means the fruitful ones. Bethlehem is house of bread. And it's a famine that drives them away. Yeah, yeah. And she comes back, you know, with nothing except her daughter-in-law who has no children. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, she's, uh, so they, they both went until they came to Bethlehem. When they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was excited about them. And they asked, is this Naomi? You know, they remembered her. It's been 10 years. She's been gone. Here she comes wandering back. Is that Naomi? Is she back? She said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home em- again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned. I like, is that your name? I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, she, and she's saying, she's like, like you know, she's like, call me bitter. Call me bitter. Well, no, I have nothing. Say, Why would you call me Naomi? So if right. the people, I'd have been like, because you was your name. That's right. all I know to call you. <laughs> That's all I know. And she's telling them yeah. now because they come back and they say, That's is this Naomi? But, but it's also, it's a very, she's giving a very specific answer. They're saying, yeah. is this Naomi? And she says, no. No. I used to be anymore. Naomi. Yeah. Now I'm Mara. I have nothing. I am bitter. I am familyless. Obviously, God has put His hand against me. I know that's for the money. Uh, it, I know you and I with our with Marie. Yeah, but but it also it has to do with uh, a fragrance to the Lord. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of times. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it came from myrrh. Oh, and and so it's also. I mean, it's it's one of those things where what do. What do you do with your bitterness? It's all going down you know, what do you do with your, with your, mm-hmm. the harsh that comes against you? Right. So Naomi mm-hmm. returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned out of the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. So now we know what time of year it was. Oh, yeah. It was around Passover time because of the barley harvest. Yeah. The barley harvest. Yep. So Ruth too. 
Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. She went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And, and remember that, that you know, God's command was when you glean the fields, go over it once. Don't go over it a second time because the poor among you can come in and whatever is missed, they get. And then don't even go once over the corners of your field. Okay? So, and, and you know, the, the whole... Uh, the whole idea, and, and we talked about the rabbi's notes about, it didn't tell you how big a corner of your field was. And, and what someone left actually showed their, their generosity. It showed their level of, of, of you know, generous, their, 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 their wide eyes, not their squinty, you know, greedy eyes. They didn't, like, like look down and be like, well, technically that three strands form a corner. So these three stocks, do not glean these, you know. And it, so, so... You know, so there she's going down. She goes, let me go with the other poor people and, and walk behind. You know, let me find a field to glean in. Let me find a field that somebody doesn't kick me out of, and I'll get us some food. Yeah. And, and Naomi's like, you know, go. She said to her daughter, she said to her, go, my daughter. She went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Okay, so Boaz is Naomi's relative. Well, a, a relative of her husband's. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which is the which is still a, a whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Ephrathite. So so Naomi's so so it's but it's not even Naomi's husband. Like she didn't come home. Or, or Naomi's relative. She didn't come home with her husband. Mm-hmm. So she's not reaching out to you know his family. Hey, you need to take care of me. You know, she's. But this is this is his his family, and and we know that, but. Ruth doesn't necessarily because she, it would have been, it just as a relative. It could have been a cousin. It could have been, yeah, an uncle. It could have been anything. Um, And so she, so Ruth, not knowing this, ends up in the part of the field that's Boaz's, who was of the family of Elimelech. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, may the Lord be with you. So, so she ends up there and, oh, you know, this is a storytelling thing. Behold. He was there that day. He had come from Bethlehem. He'd walked out to the field and blessed the reapers. Okay, they answered him, may the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was set over the reapers, whose young lady is this? So he's blessing everybody and he's, hey. That's a new one. Who's that? I've not seen her here before. And she's from Moab, so she's darker. She's going to look different, you know, and, and, and so she's going to stand out, but she stands out in a way that he's inquiring about her. Yeah, yeah, they were darker, and yeah, they were darker and, and, and not as fair. So she's like, okay. <laughs> oh, I'd have to look at a map. Remember that whole dates and facts are not <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to yeah. encounter them on the way to. Yeah, they pass right, by yeah, there, okay, but yeah. they're they're so off. Like, all in bites. Remember all the yep. Yes. yep, that's yes. right, so that's right. So the servant who was set over the reapers answered, "It is the Moabite lady who came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab." 
She said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued even from the morning until now, except that she rested a little in the house. So she's been here all day. She came first thing this morning, and we let her, we let her join in you know, with everybody after. And she's a hard worker. She's been here all day. She took a little break, but otherwise has been out here. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, don't go to glean in another field, and don't go from here, but stay here close to my maidens. Let your eyes be on the field that they reap and go after them. Haven't I commanded the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from that which the young men have drawn. So he says, I've told my men not to touch you. You have nothing to be worried about. Stay in my fields. Don't go off anybody else's field. Stay with my women. Um, you know, they'll, they'll take care of you. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water that the men have drawn out for my workers. I think that was like love at first sight. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was definitely love of her character and, and you know, great value being esteemed her. Yeah. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take knowledge of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Okay, so he's not, he's not just going on the fact that she worked hard in the field all day. Right. He, he's heard about her. He knows Naomi's back. Okay. You know, his, his former sister-in-law's return, and he's heard about... Yeah, she doesn't know who he is, but he knows who she is. So I've been told about all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people that you didn't know before. So when he was more like, who's that, once they said, Once they told him, he's like, he knew. He probably was like, oh, so that's who I would heard about. Yeah. Okay. So may the Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given to you from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take well, that refuge. Makes more sense now for him to be in love with her character. Yeah. Because he heard about her first. He, I've been hearing about her. Wait, who is that? Oh, that's her. Okay. Yeah, and I okay. So then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, because you have comforted me and because you have spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not as one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the vinegar. So when they sat down at the end of the day to have, you know, to have a meal, he's like, no, no, you come, you sit right here. You're having, you're having a portion of my meal. She sat, be she sat beside the reapers, and they passed her parched grain, and she ate and was satisfied and left some of it. So there was more than she could eat. When she had risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and don't reproach her. Also, pull out some for her from the bundles and leave it. So he's not saying, you know, he's not even saying, you know, if she's behind you, don't take everything. He's like... If she's behind you, don't take everything and leave out, you know, take out, pick it and leave it for her. So she doesn't even have to work as hard. All, um, let her glean and don't rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and she beat out that which she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city. Then her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned and she brought out and gave to her that which she had left after she had enough. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? Where have you worked? 
Blessed be he who noticed you. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord who has not abandoned his kindness to the living and to the dead. So, so she's, now instead of God has rebuked her, it's like, oh, maybe God has remembered me. <laughs> you know, may he be blessed by the Lord. She says, Naomi said to her, the man is a close relative to us, one of our near kinsmen. So, so. I like how she says our. She's yeah. Like, I'm so related to you Well, <laughs> but she is, no, Naomi says that though. But yeah, oh, Naomi's yeah. saying she's one of our near, near kinsmen. Yeah, like a, yeah. there's there's not that separation. Like he's one of mine. Right, but he's related to me. but he was also related yeah. to her son who died, yeah. who she was right. married to. So she's like, you know, and and at, you know, at the point where she said, "Your people are my people," she was family. Yeah, I mean, there was no, and she's living there as her family, and she's taking care of her. Right. And so she say, "May he be blessed." You know, God has not forgotten us. You know, let he will show kindness. He showed kindness to us. May he show kindness to him. Uh, and he's a close relative to us, one of our near kinsmen. Ruth the Moabitess said, yes, he said to me, you shall stay close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. In other words, I've been invited to return for the whole harvest, and they're supposed to take care of me. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maidens and that they not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close to the maidens of Boaz to glean to the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So do as he said. Don't, don't even go to the other fields. I mean, why would you go to the other fields? He said, I'm going to take care of you the whole harvest. And he is really setting up. Yeah, clearly she, I mean, after that, why would you be like, I'm going to see if it's better over here. You know? Yeah, right. You're like, I will come back to your field every day. Every day. skipping along. Yeah. <laughs> so Ruth 3. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Now, isn't Boaz our kinsman with whose maidens you were? Behold, he will be winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. Okay, so now there's been a little lapse in time here. Yeah. Um, and basically when they were winnowing barley... Um, it was, you know, the celebration of the end of the harvest, and there was a lot of alcohol involved, and it was a party. They were yeah, having a party at the end of the harvest. Right. And what is important to know going into this part of the story is that there was a cultural practice that was a risk and an opportunity for young single women where... When men would, what are you doing? Are you dancing the Macarena? I'm just signaling in an airplane. I'm just trying to lift my chair. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was watching you over here doing this. Okay, so there was a culture. There was a cultural practice where, when the men got drunk in these in these parties, and they would fall asleep on the threshing room floor, and and remembering also. And she's so taken that from she's just Where's messing with him. So remembering also that we've talked about how feet doesn't always mean feet. Oh yeah, yeah, we're getting to Yeah. Yeah. Because because, you know, the men with David who relieved their feet on the wall were probably not, you know, laying down, kicking their feet up because they had a little bit of swelling in their ankles. You know, it was it, it, 
it's the maley bits. So, so the practice was to for the women to wait till the men got drunk, and then go down to the threshing room floor, and whatever man they had their eye on, to basically curl up with him, and if he took you in and spent the night with you, then then it was essentially it was a way to trap a guy. <laughs> because he's drunk, you make yourself available, his resistance is down, if he accepts you and takes you in, now he is obligated, according to the law, to offer the bride price to your father for your full, you know, your full you know, value and your and your dowry, which is protecting you because he's obligated now. And so women who took advantage of this were, you know, women who did not have other prospects, women who were somewhat promised to someone that they were terrified of being with or did not want to be with it at all. Um, you know, probably couples that the father would not otherwise give permission, but the daughter wanted to be with that man. Um, so this, this was not, like, this isn't a unique, weird thing. Just like Moses going out on the basket wasn't a unique, weird thing. It's yeah. a cultural thing that we're getting an insight into. Naomi, who knows this cultural practice, has given her daughter some advice here. And, and you know, I'm, let me show you, this is what you need to do. And... Um, you know, it's what is going to happen is is really important because of how, you know, how it all works out. So she says, now isn't Boaz our kinsman with whose maidens you were? Behold, he will be winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, get dressed. So fix yourself all up and go down to the threshing floor. But don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall note the place where he is lying. Then you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lay down. So, you know, take his cloak off of him, lay down. Then he will tell you what to do. Because he could, you know, wake up and go, what are you doing? Get out of here. Bah. Mm -hmm. So she said to her, all that you say I will do. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything that her mother-in-law told her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? So, you know, he wakes up, turning over, and he's like, okay. She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Therefore, spread the corner of your garment over your servant, for you are a near kinsman. So she's saying to him, I'm making myself available to you. You're my kinsman redeemer. Tell me what to do. Crystal, can I yeah. ask a question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You mentioned that this was a practice that was um, for women who had really no other snaring um, that husband. Um, but it seems to me that Ruth's claim is valid and legitimate. So could Naomi not have gone to Boaz? Um, she probably could have, but um, it, and it's not that it was a practice that was only for women in that situation. It's just from everything that's been uncovered about it. That was typically, I mean, it was a chance for those women they didn't otherwise have. Um, and, and yes, Naomi probably could have done that, but she might not have had the relationship with Boaz 
because um yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it might have even been inappropriate for Naomi to do so. I mean, generally, the men were the ones who negotiated the terms of the marriage to make sure that their family member was protected. Oh, so should we assume that everybody that Naomi's related to is completely dead, all of them? Um, or that she's just not... Uh, I mean, I think that that's a fair assumption. Um or that she just doesn't have the relationship with them because she's been gone for 10 years. But it does seem that it is just her and Ruth for whatever reason. It's just the two of them. And, okay. and they kind of are their own, their own little clan there. Um, and so, yeah, she's, it's, I think you're probably right that, that this was uh, Naomi and, and Naomi being the one to suggest it, this is her knowing the opportunity was there and knowing their circumstances. Plus they had nothing to offer, you know, right. She did. Right. And, and, you know, the bride price, the quote unquote bride price or the dowry, it was the woman's. I mean, it was what she brought to the marriage and she was the one who got to decide how it was used, which a lot of, a lot of, you know, the idea that someone bought the bride is not, can you go close those doors? It's, it's not, you know, but you, the marriages were generally arranged between equal in status families. She's out, she's out there, honey. Um, it's generally between equal in status families. So Naomi and Ruth have nothing to offer this rich man of, of equal value that says, I can come as an equal partner into this relationship. That's probably, yeah, it, it was probably already spent on getting there. I mean, that's, that's probably, and that may be the point at which she asked permission to go and glean. You know, she they they she may have said, okay, we're we're you know we've depleted our savings and we need to go and and I, we need to eat somehow. So yeah, the, she's she's definitely she's definitely a woman of no means and um, and so yeah, she's basically she's going and making herself available to him in a way that doesn't require that negotiation, that doesn't require you know a husband or a, I mean a brother or a father or or an uncle who can go and speak for you and. And negotiate good terms on your behalf. Okay. So, so yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's one of those things. Um, you know, some people say, "Well, there's, there's no, you know, once you start making laws, and you've got to find those loopholes." And well, yeah, you do. <laughs> and, so, and some of them are because you know you're a scammer trying to get around it, but some of them are there's there's room for them. They don't violate the letter of the law, and they don't violate the spirit of the law. And, and they're a way that you learn to navigate, you know, so this, the idea being that, well, unless a man negotiated a marriage for you or unless you were worthy of something or had any, no, there were ways, there were ways that, that women were able to look out for themselves and get themselves husbands. And, you know, and, and this was one of them. This was one of those cultural ways. So, yeah, you're welcome. Great questions. Thank you. So he said, you are blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning because you didn't follow young men, whether poor or rich. So he's saying to her, from the moment I met you, you have been a woman of character. 
You have been a woman of kindness. Everything that I see is good about you. And ultimately, you have come to present yourself to me and not run after the young men who are out there. Um, you know, also drunk all over the floor here. Because <laughs> you know? well, like we said, like, just like she could have went to someone else's field. She could have went to someone else's Right. Like, right. And, and that might have been a reason for going if she went, oh, you know, there's not any prospects for marriage here. Let me go over and there's some good looking guys working in that field. Yeah. You know, let me, let me try over there today. Younger, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and that, that was part of that also, you know, she's looking at her options, you know, going into everything and it's like, no, stay here. He's kind to you. He's generous to you. Um, and so he's saying, so you, you gleaned in my field. You've let me show you kindness all this time. And now here you are with me and not, any of these other men. You, you, you are esteeming yourself to me more and more everything you like do. A, it's almost like a proposal, like when a woman's like, he chose me. It's almost like he's like, he Yeah, me. well, and she, I mean, she's obviously a young, beautiful woman. Yeah, he's like, what? You know, but she's also not behaving in such a way that, that the young men are clamoring around, you know. So he says, now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do to you all that you say, for all the city of my people knows that you are a worthy woman. Uh, now it is true that I am a near kinsman. However, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Stay this night and in the morning if he will perform for you the part of a kinsman good. Let him do the kinsman's duty. But if he will not do the duty of a kinsman for you, then I will do the duty of a kinsman for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until the morning. Now, this is where people want to break off into groups and say, they had sex that night. They didn't have sex that night. Thank you. I don't think, I'm, I don't think that's the issue. We, well, I, it seems that they didn't. Well, I mean, it seems that they didn't because in response to her, he said, yes, I am your kinsman. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to be your kinsman redeemer. Right. Um, you know, so but, but he does tell, he doesn't tell her leave. He tells her lay down and there are indications that maybe they did spend the night together. Um, which like he could have literally meant lay or he could have right. Lay. Whatever it was, he did tell her to stay with him till morning. Right. You know what they did. Frankly, I don't even have, like, it's not even my inclination to, to well, he guess of, because mean, he really have to. If he was already going to do the king, like you said, I'm already right. agreeing to this. I'm already going to do the Kingsman. So he could have just protected her honor until or he, he, like he or, said, well, I, I have to follow the law because there's a Kingsman redeemer closer to you than I. Right. So right. So I would, yeah. So why sleep with her if you have to deal with somebody else who might want her? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like he could have, but then he but, that, but that's the thing. We don't know. Like, it's one of those things, you know, where the movie cuts away. Yeah. It's, you know, the story cuts away. But he. I was thinking the same thing. Right. He's an upright, righteous man. Right. Right. And he's an upright, righteous man. She's an upright, righteous woman. And yet the custom was generally that's what you did on the threshing room floor. So I tend to fall on the side of I don't think anything untoward happened that night. And yet, well, I really don't think much about it because we're not told. It's between the, whatever it was, it, it was okay. Yeah. Whatever it was, God did not, you know, get upset and end the story here. And, you know, it's not, it's not like a nightmare ending. But like you said, it's a cultural thing too. So it could have been an image thing. Like, in here. 
So that way it's like you're doing. I didn't send you away. Yeah. It could have been. Don't let anybody think I. I don't make you look stupid in a sense. But the next thing is she lay at his feet until the morning. Then she rose up before one could discern another. For he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. He said, bring the mantle that is on you and hold it. She held it, and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then he went into the city. So, so he didn't want it to be known. He didn't want it to be known that she was there. He wanted to protect her, her reputation. Okay. So what happened on the threshing room floor? It doesn't tell us. No. It doesn't. Um, Somebody makes a movie. What it's, <laughs> if we needed to know, God yeah, would have told us exactly. And that's the thing. <laughs> there... What God is telling us is righteous man, righteous woman took advantage of a cultural opportunity that was legal and allowed. He was righteous in acknowledging to her, yes, but somebody else has, has that first opportunity. I will negotiate this. He blesses her with, you know, with sending her home with, with a gift. Um, then she came to her mother-in-law. She said, or when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? She told her all that the man had done for her. She said, he gave me these six measures of barley, for he said, don't go empty to your mother-in-law. Then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know what will happen, for the man will not rest until he has settled this today. So, you know, she's saying, okay, you know, we, he's, he's, this is going to work out really well. We're going to see what happens. Our fate is about to change Everything's going to be okay one way or another. He will definitely take care of this. You're in good hands. So Ruth 4. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. Behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz spoke came by. He said to him, come over here, friend, and sit down. He came over and sat down. So, so Boaz went and he, he, you know, Naomi's like, he'll take care of it today. I have no doubt. Well, Boaz went, got himself all dressed and ready for the day, went and sat down early at the gate. He was not going to miss him. He's sitting there waiting for him to come. As soon as he sees him, he's like, got your seat right over here. I saved you a spot. He came over and sat down. He took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. And they sat down. Why? Because he needed a quorum and he needed witnesses because they were about to negotiate. He said to the near kinsman, Naomi, who has come back out of the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. I thought I should tell you, saying, buy it before those who sit here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one to redeem it beside you, and I am after you. Okay, so he's not talking about Ruth. He's talking about a parcel of land that technically belongs to Naomi. Now, why are they not out working that field? They don't have the means to. They don't have the seeds. They don't have the people to hire to go threshing. You know, did and they I maybe? He was talking about Ruth. Yeah, and a lot of people will say he's talking about. He's not. There's a portion parcel of land. You know, did they maybe have a little garden? Was that maybe what they supplemented the barley with? Yes, probably. They probably had their own little things growing there. That's probably where they were living. You know, um, but he sits down, and we've seen this with with uh, Abraham several times, where they where they negotiate, mm-hmm. and they. You know, they, they talk about different things, and it's this, it's this relationship-building experience. And they, so he knows this guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, knows, he knows how to 
speak to this person because he's known him his whole life and he knows what motivates him and he knows what doesn't motivate him. And, and so he, it's not, there, in our culture, we tend to look at a lot of examples of bartering as um, manipulation, you know, or people want just, just give me the facts. What are you offering? You know, we, we want to just get, let's just get down to it. Don't, don't try and manipulate me. Don't try and, you know, convince me that it's good. I can tell you're working up to something, but all of that was part of the practice. I mean, that's what you were doing. You, and you were letting the person know, I know you, you know, and, and, and what he said isn't true, isn't untrue. He's saying, She's back. I, you know, look, I'm asking you, and I've got the quorum, and I'm telling you, I have witnesses that I'm telling you, there's a parcel of land. You're entitled to it first. If you want it, redeem it. If you don't, with the witnesses here, I would like to. And Ruth must be good with the parcel of land? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. He said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must buy it also from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance. So he's saying, as soon as you step up as kinsman redeemer, you need to also know that the girl that came home with Ruth is entitled to a son from our family. And, if, and you're the one, you know, and, and when you step up and say, I'm your nearest kinsman redeemer, I will redeem the land, you get to redeem her land too. Because <laughs> yeah. she has entitlements. That's she, and, and that's the thing with her going to him on the threshing room floor. Think back to, to um, uh, oh, what's, what's her, her name? name? Yeah, Tamar. Yeah. Tamar. What she did wasn't unrighteous. She was entitled mm-hmm. to a son. Because if one son died, did you marry the other son? And he, he had kept the sons from her. Therefore, going to her, that he was the next closest relative after the sons. And isn't it true also, in that story, it seemed like um, she, she, got, she got the son when it was Perez and mm-hmm. the guy. Mm-hmm. But, but it's credited back to the, the first one, husband, yes. right? The that's why they didn't want to have, son. that's why they kept spilling their seed. Yes. yes, yeah. Well, that's that why they kept doing those. Well, the, the, they were like, this ain't going to be my child anyway, so I didn't want to impregnate right, her. And right. then that's when the Lord was like, really? Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so she, was, she was within her rights yeah, right. to go to him on the threshing floor. Right. It, it wasn't an untired, she wasn't acting, you know, <laughs> Tamar acting the prostitute, and yet she was the one doing the righteous thing. Okay? So, so he's letting this kinsman redeemer know. You are entitled to the land, and as the kinsman redeemer, you are entitled to be the one who gives a, a, a child to Ruth. The near kinsman said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I endanger my own inheritance. I've got too much to lose. Take my right, you know, in front of the quorum of witnesses, take my right of redemption for yourself, for I can't redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning exchanging to confirm all things. Now, and it's going to tell us this, which gives us insight into how the law, you know, because people go, I I hate when people pull up 
the, the verse in Leviticus, and they're like, and all the man had to do was buy a woman and, and show a shoe, and, and it's like, oh, come on, you don't even understand. Just shh, stop talking. You know? Stop taking snippets. Now, this was the custom in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning exchanging to confirm all things. A man took off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was the way of formalizing transactions in Israel. Just like God told Moses, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Because what you stepped on denoted ownership, you know, or, or the responsibility of, you know, not ownership and, you know, I own it, but it, the responsibility of ownership, the right of ownership, the privilege of ownership. So when you take off your shoe, you know, it's a transfer of ownership. I'm giving this to you. And he gave it to his neighbor. This was the way of formalizing transactions in Israel. So the near kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. Then he took off his shoe. He took off his actual shoe. Yeah. Though there's, though there's also, when you go back to um, when, when Abraham sent his servant to get a bride for Isaac, and it says, you know, he, he made his servant put out his hand. Put and your hand under my thigh. Yeah, under my thigh. Really, it really is, took us. Basically, he sat on the guy's hand. It, you know, it was almost like, I'm showing my vulnerability by putting my most precious stuff in your hand. In hand. And if the foot is a euphemism yeah. for the man who... You know, what's the shoe? Was he taking off his, you know, did he take off his robe? Did he take... I don't know. And, it, and, and there was an element of the shoe with the holy ground and don't walk on it. What he technically took off and handed, I don't know. You know, but something showing owner. It was a piece of clothing, some kind of garment that showed, I'm transferring this to you in front of the ten witnesses. Here you go. Could you imagine someone doing just oh. take their drawers off. There you go. I give you my underwear. It's okay. I've sold you my car. I put the underwear in the glove compartment. Yeah. You're good. That's your right of title. Okay. No. <laughs> Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Melon, I have, and I hate, I have purchased to be my wife because he didn't buy her. He he redeemed her. Right. It's a word that does not translate well to our non non barter relationship society. You know, when we go to the store and we buy somebody, you know, like you know the the whole it, it it has this feel with that word of like you know the men who order a. A, a bride from Russia. You know, I bought a wife from Russia, you know, <laughs> and, and yet it's, it's more than that. It's, I have fulfilled my relational obligations to this family. I have redeemed her. I have publicly claimed her for mine. I have not snuck around behind the scenes. We have not negotiated in the dark. I, you know, this is out in the open. I want Ruth, is what he said. I get Ruth. Ruth is mine. None of you touch her. <laughs> I did it righteously. Nobody can come in and say I didn't have a right to her. We're all in the clear. Because he's a righteous man. He said, I'm doing this the right way. 
to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gates of his place. You are witnesses today. And he's saying, the child, whatever child I will give her, will, will carry on her family's name. It's, she's entitled to this. All the people who were in... Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't understand... Um, so the other fellow who said, well, then I don't want to marry a group without the endanger of my inheritance. Um, why would that endanger his inheritance? If that's so, then why would marrying Ruth not endanger Boaz's inheritance? Well, it would... It's it's not... There could be a couple of different reasons. Um, one he might not have had a son yet, and if this was the first son technically born from him, then he would be entitled to things as well, even though, but those things would go transfer over to, to the family that actually gets to claim the son. And he might also be saying something to the effect of, yeah, my wife's not going to go for that. Thinking he's married, yeah, he's like my 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 situation might not be that stable enough to uh, to hold on, you know, out through this. Or oh, my wife will never go. For, yes, I get a piece of land. My wife will be thrilled. Oh, I get another another woman. I have to make. Oh no, no, no! I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> and well, it it's interesting because. It's not so much that it was okay as it was done at times. Okay. Um, what's when in, in the rabbinic notes on, on things, when, you know, Jacob with his two wives and two concubines, um, the wives being the only ones who were, who were Jewish and who had uh, the right, the rights of a bride. Okay, um, concubines were, tr the, the man was obligated to treat with the rights of a bride unless they separated from him, and then they didn't have rights like a bride did at that point. So, so Jacob married to Leah and Rachel. Um, the teaching behind them is that his job as a, as a patriarch was to unite the, the spiritual and the physical in a new way which was done through the 12 children who are the tribes. Um, and what they understand from Rachel dying when she was giving birth to Benjamin, that happened as they were entering the land. So the understanding is that God only, uh, God only wants one man and one woman. That's his design. And so... For him to be the level of patriarch that he was at the point where he entered the land, he could not have two wives. So his second wife was was taken. But it's okay for him to have concubines. Well, yeah, because that that was a different different symbolism. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know the the kings had you know. David with his, what, thousand wives and Solomon with his yeah. ten times more. So it was happening, but the understanding is that that was not God's design. Yeah. He didn't smile on it. It was There were laws in place to take care of those women. You know, it's, it's kind of like what the missionaries have found um, 
and and I haven't you know I haven't read anything on this in a long time. But when they they were talk, I, there was some stuff years ago talking about what they were finding when they went into um, communities that had polygamy is that if they went in and and you know the people who got saved and then they said now God only allows one wife. So everyone other than the first wife of each man, you are not their wife anymore. Those women became ostracized. They did not have any standing in society. They were, you know, just completely poverty stricken. They had no means of taking care of their children. Whereas if they came in and they respected the culture where they found it, but taught monogamy, that within the next one to two generations, the children had shifted in their focus and were only marrying one person. And so there's a picture, you know, there's kind of a picture that we see throughout the, the stories of the Old Testament and the time passing that when, you know, when God and, and Abraham, you know, make this, you know, make this covenant and his people are coming, that culturally all around them polygamy was a norm. And yet by the time of Yeshua, it's not. It's monogamy. And so it's, it's, you know, God lays out protections for the women in those situations, but there's nothing proactive in, in the Torah that talks about, and marry lots of women, and this is what it should look like. So, so there's the difference between, you know, coming out and saying, and everyone in this situation, you know, you're, you're, you know, an abomination and you're not allowed to exist. It's, it's more of a gentle transition that as, God works within a community, he changes that heart, which is by the, you know, but by the time of Yeshua, there was the practice of, if you met somebody better, just put the other woman out, which is what a lot of scholars think was being talked about with the divorce, the Roman divorce, you know, where he says for any cause. And, and that's why Yeshua responded to that, that, you know, God created one man for one woman and you're not supposed to do that. But then they get scared with, wait, you mean we can never divorce? And he's like, no, you divorce because of the hardness of your hearts, you know. Which in a sense goes back to like how much of the corner of the field do you leave? Well, how much do you leave? Says something about you, you know. So, so it's, it's one of those things. It's not condemned, but it's not, it's not what God, it's not the first plan. It's not what he wanted things to be and how he changed things to be, you know, over time. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So he probably by right could have done it, but he's like, yeah, I can't. Nope. Not, not, not able to do that part of it. So, (laughs) so, so Boaz is all bold. He's like, you heard it. You're the witnesses. It's done. Guy who has a right before me has rejected it. I take it. Let's go. So all the people who were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who has come into your house like Rachel and like Leah, which both built the house of Israel and treat you worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Let your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah of the offspring, which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Because in the lineage of David, and thus in the lineage of Yeshua, Perez is, is, we don't, it's one of those moments where we don't just have a name, we hear his story. Tamar gets to be part of the genealogy because Tamar 
demanded what was her right, got what was her right in a righteous way that was upheld by God, and Perez, that son, technically credited to her husband. But the story is in there that it's from Judah. And so there's, you know, and, and from him came Boaz. That's their line. They're from the line of Tamar and Judah's kid. And so that's the blessing that they're putting, that they're, that they're giving him is, and whatever children she has from you, let it be as much a blessing and an amazing part of the story as Tamar and Judah. So, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she bore a son. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you today without a near kinsman. Let his name be found, be famous in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became nurse to, to it. So Ruth had the child, Naomi gave it to Naomi who nursed him. The women, her neighbors, gave him a name saying, a, she was probably not that old. Well, she'd nursed her sons before. And, and there, there are lots of stories of women being able to relactate for children. And if she was... She nursed him, so she was, I mean, she was probably right there alongside Ruth while she was pregnant, there at the birth, the baby was given to her, you know, her hormones have been going through all of the emotional bonding to this baby the whole time. Um, so the women, her neighbors, gave him a name saying, a son is born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now so this she gave him back to Naomi. So yes. that's Naomi's son. That's Naomi's son. So Naomi literally raised him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So he would have grown up. I mean, Naomi probably lived in Boaz's house, you know, and and so she was there with her son, but it was almost a surrogate situation. Yeah. Where where this child was, was given to Naomi. And what a good good Boaz was. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you want a son for yourself. Oh yeah. A, you know, a child. Yeah. Time. And and uh, and he then. and he went in knowing what was going to happen, which is right. the opposite of the the other sons of Judah, yeah. who didn't step up, you know. And he's like, "This is what I'm doing." Speaks to his love for God. Speaks to his righteousness, his yes. character, his love for Ruth. Yes. You know, because oh, Ruth yes. is in this position of of, you know. In a sense, owing this—not that they, Naomi could ever collect if there was never a husband—but you know, it's—it's it's just there's such righteousness going on in there. And it says, "Now this is the history of the generations of Perez." Perez, and I love that we go all the way back to Perez now. Perez became the father of Hezron, and Hezron became the father of Ram, and Ram became the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab became the father of Nashon, and Nashon became the father of Salmon, and Salmon became the father of Boaz, and Boaz became the father of Obed, and Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of David. And Salmon was the one who married the woman who put out the red scarlet... Um, yes. Yes. Salmon, because that, 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 yeah. that yeah. said, yeah, we'll save you. We'll save, yeah, we, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, 
Jericho. Jericho. I'm like, I like start singing. I'm like, Joshua fought the battle. Jericho. <laughs> Jericho. Jericho. Yes. And Jericho. Yes. Yes. She did, and then she went along with them. Her and her, her children, family. right? And and her son with him. Rahab. Yep. Rahab. Yeah, Rahab. Yeah, Rahab. So so, and they had. Um, yeah, Rahab had Boaz. Oh my God. So Boaz is yeah. So, so mom was a prostitute. No. <laughs> or that judge that told that uh, right in what is it called, Mister and Mrs., Mrs. Loving. Remember what the judge said? Oh, yeah, yeah. The judge had the Bible all screwed up. Yeah. God would have wanted mixing of the races. Right. Oh, yeah. And there's lots of lots of mixing of the races. Yes. Yeah. Yeshua inherently, and this is the thing, and this is what I've told people, in in healthy messianic congregations, they are... Hey. I'm sorry. A call came in, and I didn't know it cut you off. I'm sorry. Okay, so so in did you did you hear the last paragraph that we read, or did I lose you in the middle of that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. So so um, in in healthy messianic congregations, what I have seen is that they are very intuitively cross cultural. Cross racial, cross, uh, cross generational. See? <laughs> Yeshua himself, he, 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 his, his, the flesh part of him was, was not segregated. The cross yeah. part of him, and that's why, that's why it's so amazing that these women, and that's why it's kept, you know, once you became, once you converted, you became known as a Jewish person. You were no longer referred to by your race. Or you know your culture from before, but in these stories where that's happening, it's because it's important to note in this lineage that this, this is where she came from. She was not born in Israel; she chose Israel, right. and and this is who God gave her in response to that. You know, God put her, attached her to the line of David, right. and inherently to the line of Yeshua. Right. That's why those women are mentioned because they're they're important. Right. And, and so that's, that's the role. So why does Ruth get her own book? This is why. Because, because it's a compelling story. And because what she did was self-sacrificing and, and amazing, and it reflected a love of God and a love of her mother-in-law that you only find with God. You know, there, there are certain levels of love. There are certain acts that cannot be done without a love that is expressing God being part of it. Right. And God, God says, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's exactly what Ruth yep. said. Right. So I'm not I don't care what right. you say. I'm not going back. I love you. Your people are my people. Right. I take your God, I take your people, I take everything that you represent, I go home with you, let's go. You know, she honored her when Naomi gave her counsel, she, she listened, and, and she sought Naomi's counsel, and, you know, she honored her as a mother, and, and, you know, and what, what says, a lot of times these stories are taken and twisted around and show, if you do those things, then that will mean God loves you. Or you know, or that you, you you'll you'll prove your love for God. 
and they don't work that way. You know, in the, in the, in the unhealthy situations where people go in this situation, you need to be like Ruth with Naomi and you need to listen to her because that will prove you love God. No, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is her love for God flowed out of her. And these are the things she did as expressions of that love. You can't create a love for God going the other direction. You know, it's, you okay? It's like we have to take you to the hospital. I know. She's trying to be oh, uh, <laughs> She's dying. Right here. I know. She's dying you. <laughs> we, we have, we have uh, a mama over here having labor contractions. So, <laughs> so we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and end there. But any thoughts, any questions, any reflections or. Yeah. Is that what you say? Is that your thought on it all? I think the story of Ruth is, is just, it's amazing. It's amazingly powerful. And, and it's encouraging. You know, it could have been the story of Orpah. But it's not. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that, that generationally this happens in this line. And in a way that is made note of and remembered because the women are so are so righteous, you know. It's like, gosh, she's so in labor. Okay, so we're gonna bless and end and figure out whether whether we're gonna have a baby today or not. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn His countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. And I want to apologize for my little friend. Here. That's okay. That's okay. He's I mean, welcome. Not like it <laughs> He's comfortable now.